Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. See, this would have been a nice conversation if we were sitting around (laughs) fishing. (laughs) <laughs> Pete Thamel with a moderately flavored domestic beer yeah. Yeah. and SI's Pat Forty you know what sounds more brutal being carved up and served <laughs> on plates from Buddy's standpoint you'll take it here's Pat Pete and Dan all right welcome to the pod we've got a special guest we're adding to the ranks here Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports, NFL Draft. What, what, what is your title, Eric? Guru, reporter, expert, analyst. Grand Poobah. Yeah, yeah Grand those all work. I mean, I don't get called expert but one month a year, so I'm going to milk it for whatever I can right now. <laughs> Eric handles the uh, the NFL Draft for us, and you guys, anybody who's on our site knows that. He writes all year round basically about it, and that intersection of the sport. He can be found at Eric underscore Edholm on Twitter. He's a great follow there. Uh, and he is on because he and Pete, although I think, it, and Charles Robinson, although I think it's really Eric did all the work. Pete just, just <laughs> glommed on for glory. Uh, just like usual. on the pod. Yep. <laughs> Trying to get a little shine from everyone else. Uh, no, they uh, they continued a great tradition uh, that our, our late colleague Therese Paler used to do. It was called the Juice Team, the All Juice Team. And Therese started this when he was in Kansas City and uh, continued it through uh, his time with us at Yahoo. And, and if you know our pod or whatever, he, uh, Therese passed away. Uh, suddenly uh, in February. It was a very tragic and sad day for, for all of us that knew him and, and, and liked him. And one of the things we wanted to do was to continue the all-juice tradition, the all-juice team tradition, use it as a way to continue to raise money for the Therese Paler Scholarship, uh, which is at Howard University, he's alum, where he's an alum. There's T-shirts, there's hoodies. They're really good-looking shirts, too. And uh, the all-juice team's just fun. Was, that's the thing about Therese. Therese loved football as much as anybody I've ever met. Therese could have been a coach. Uh, he played high school football. He could have been a coach, except he was just a great reporter and communicator. So he, he got around the game that way. But uh, Therese loved football. He loved people that, that had that same love. And that's sort of part of being an all-juice player. So we have the – you guys had a tough job. You had to come up with the all-juice team that 
that Therese would not would like because you know you got to honor him the right way. So hopefully he's not you know trying to get in the comments section to to rip you guys because <laughs> <laughs> Therese would do that. Therese would Therese would debate these these spots. He would not hesitate. So uh, Eric and tell tell us quickly about what it means to be an all juice team member. It's not just the best player there's there's more to it than that yeah i think the three words that were sort of the pillars were effort performance and attitude and and you know i mean therese had all those too i mean he was he was the guy i remember him actually texting me at about uh midnight one night almost a year ago asking me about trey adams a guy who was uh undrafted who made the juice team but he just liked his style of play he wanted somebody who was a grinder also somebody who had um, you know, who, who showed it on the field, even if there were some questions. And I love the fact too, that it's not all just all-stars, you know, it's not all the guys that everybody has heard of. It's two from the top around one, two from the bottom, et cetera. And, you know, basically four guys per round, including some undrafted guys. So we tried our best to call from the, from the ranks and, you know, represent as many, uh, Therese players as we could. I, I, I felt a lot of pressure. I was like, man, would Therese like this guy? I hope so. You know, and I made about 15 or 20 switches along the way, but we like the the squad we've come up with. All right. Well, let's start with, um, we'll go, th- we're not going to go through all of them. Uh, check it out on Yahoo yeah. Sports. Really encouraged. It's a great piece. It, it, if you're a college football fan, NFL fan, or NFL draft fan, uh, it's great. And, and I think it, I don't know how much these guys know about uh, getting this honor, but this is a really cool honor because you, you have to earn this. Uh, let's start yeah. with with the two biggest names on this board, uh, Ohio State's Justin Field and Alabama's uh, Najee Harris. What is it about those two, Pete and uh, and Eric, you can maybe each take one. Why those two as as all juice players? Well, I, you know, I'll just say like when, when Charles and Pete and, 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 you know, Al Toby, our editor, were all kind of texting and sort of throwing ideas around. You know, the quarterback was obviously crucial this year. There are five first round prospects. I think all, you know, any of the five could have been candidates. But as we were sort of debating them, the fact that Justin Fields has kind of been almost the guy who's had the, the hardest path to this point. He's been sent through the meat grinder a little bit uh, from the, the draft analysts, the anonymous sources. You know, questioning this. I mean, oh, he played baseball. He has a baseball throwing motion. You know, just stuff that that seems a little trivial, trivial and stupid about it. But you know, the fact that he also was a very juicy player who could run, throw. You know, had Moxie played his you know tail off against Clemson. All those seem things seem to point in that direction. It, it just sort of made sense for me. And I don't know about you, Pete, but it just. You know, he was the one that kind of just stood out a little bit more from the others in that regard. Yeah, I think, you know, Fields is interesting, and there's been a lot of uh, oxygen wasted on Justin Fields, I, I think, in the, in the past month, <laughs> probably more than is uh, more than is justified. But if you're going to tell me I've got a chance to take Justin Fields at, like, eight, that, like, the value there to me, because just it would not yeah. shock me if Justin Fields ends up the best quarterback in this class. Like, that would not shock me at all. Like, the fact that Zach Wilson did this against uh, essentially a bunch of, like, B, like the most B-grade schedule of all time. Somehow, like, th- these things always happen in the draft where, like, I mean, you could not have been a more productive and accurate player than, than, than Justin Fields was during his time at Ohio State. So I was happy that we had this selection because it's a little bit counter to some of the ridiculous narratives. And it's like, uh, you know, in horse racing, he's if it was horse racing – the value of him at eight, you'd be like, oh my God, like that's, that's someone you want to, you, you want to bet on and, and get behind. So 
I thought it was a uh, I thought it was a savvy selection to uh, to, to have Justin there because I think Justin Fields is is going to be. I look at NFL quarterbacks this way. There's basically like ten of them that can win you the Super Bowl, and everyone else is searching for one of the ten. And that number might be eight. It might be ten. Like. I have no problem projecting Justin Fields to someday be one of those 10. Yeah, Najee, Najee too. I mean, he was just such a fun runner in college, a power guy who also had the light feed and, you know, improved his pass catching and really became sort of the centerpiece. Alabama always had three or four running backs, but he became the guy, you know, and I just sort of felt like that separated him just a little bit from some of the other backs. All right, how about the freaks? We like freaks here. It's kind of, yeah. I see three guys I put down here, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Florida, Rondell Moore, Purdue, J.C. Horn. What makes those guys stand out as juice players? You said you saw three freaks. I, I thought you meant well, the other three of us, but that's all right. That's all right. There, that's there's all two right. different kinds of freaks here. I think we're trying to be complimentary <laughs> yes. here. I, I actually like this segment because Pat has nothing to say right now. I can... <laughs> I haven't been invited to say anything yet. No, I, I uh. my no, it's good. There's a reason. I'm going to get to the reason later why I'm bitter at Pat. Okay. While Pat and I have a beef right now that he may Ooh. not even know. I don't we'll even get know. To that. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good tease right there. Yeah, Pitts and Horn played against each other, and you know, J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn, former NFL receiver. Basically, they asked him to cover the the best receiver on the opposing team, whether it was a slot guy, a quick one like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, or whether, it, you know, Kadarius Tony, what have you, but also Kyle Pitts. He went up against a six foot six, 245 pound tight end who can run like the wind. That matchup was one of the best that I watched, you know, and it, it wasn't every play, but you know, you saw him squared off in the red zone. It was big, long physical corner going up against the guy five inches taller than him, but th that's, peak draft geekdom right there when you see two guys who are sort of at the top of their fields going up against each other, locking horns, if you will. I didn't mean to walk into that terrible pun, but yeah, it really, it was a great tape. And I think it showed the best of both guys ability because they each kind of won some of the battles. So that that's what watching that tape reminded me. I think we got two spots locked up on the team right there. We'll use a couple of our high picks to, to make sure they're on it. What would we term like peak? draft geekdom like would it be like you were kuipering would that be like the term would it be like <laughs> yeah like how would how would you how would you quantify that yeah i mean really the definition would be talking about the draft at any time outside of like you know may 5th you know march 15th to uh, april 1st or i mean uh, may 1st or whatever that's peak uh, draft geeked in there but yeah i would accept okay. kuipering right. as a word i think Isn't that works it like when yeah. like you know so like in mid-august if somebody does a particularly <laughs> impressive three cone time. <laughs> <laughs> but then even though it's unofficial, because like, is it like those Florida high school recruits, like the rivals recruits who all run a four, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing speed oh, oh, in the yeah. high school ranks that, that, that somehow they get to college. Well, everybody, slower. everybody slows and gets slower. You run four, two, one in high school, then college when there's a little more eyeballs on things, you're a four, three, five, and then you get to the combine, you're four, four, six. You know, that's kind of yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Who would who would have the best three cone, Eric, of the three of us? Oh <laughs> we're talking ice cream cone? Or are we talking what? <laughs> three flavors? Like anyone needs to see that. All right. Let's get to yeah. this one. My personal favorite on the team, grambling guard David Moore. Yeah. The bowling ball. That's... He's 6'1, 350. <laughs> <laughs> <Love it. laughs> He's I the mean, whole can of I orange juice, man. 
Right. You, you can squeeze him for days. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I watched him play first at the senior bowl. He was one of the first invitations to the senior bowl and it kind of caught me off ground. Who is this guy? I didn't know anything about him. Of course, HBCU schools were all canceled this year, you know, grambling, great tradition, ton of NFL players, but I didn't know the player. Talked to an area scout who said, ah, we had like a seventh round grade on him coming into the year, but he goes down to mobile. It's this like round ball of humanity and just starts throwing <laughs> SEC dudes around. And I thought, Okay, we're writing that guy down. It, Quinn Miners, the kid from Wisconsin Whitewater, too, who's uh, uh, Charles's guy, Pete's guy. We've all kind of grown to love him. Those were the two that really stood out for me who, you know, maybe didn't look the part coming into the week, but by the end of the week, you couldn't stop talking about him. So, yeah, they just don't build him like, like David Moore. I mean, shorter than 6'2", long arms, like arms that you'd expect on a tackle. And then this this three hundred fifty pound you know ball of mass. He's he's a what fun about player. The quote? He's a developmental player. Well, what about the quote, Eric? I just phenomenal quote here. God gave me some big old calf muscles, some turkey leg calf <laughs> muscles to go out and explode out of my stance. Like if there was doubt about him being on the juice team, that <laughs> yeah. that sealed it. That put him on. That 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 did it. I, I can I can assure you, Therese would one hundred percent. That yeah, I mean the HBCU right. and anyone talking about turkey legs and stuff, that's gonna happen there. <laughs> Stamp it through. So was Larnell Coleman's inclusion on the juice team, Eric, an overt way to kiss up to Dan, our vaunted UMass graduate on the panel here? I'm such a big <laughs> UMass football fan. Right. Yeah, Larnell. Um, could you not be? Um, yeah. You do know UMass scored 10 points last season. <laughs> <laughs> but the blocking on the right yeah. side was really eye-opening, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a yeah, yeah. Col- Coleman's an interesting one. Obviously, Pete got to talk to Walt Bell about him a little bit, and uh, you know he's sort of a project. And you know, it's like the last guy kicked for the you know picked for the kickball team. Like, hey, he's still a member of the team, but I needed a tackle. I needed somebody with some upside. I needed someone with some athleticism. He's new to football. Pete, tell us a little bit more about the the legend of, of Larnell yes, Coleman. So the legend of Larnell Coleman is simple. He showed up uh, at UMass's vaunted campus in Amherst. Uh, Five years ago, and he was a 238-pound defensive end tight end. And he grew, and he grew, and he put on, like, 80 pounds. And he has unbelievable I, – I did watch a little bit of him, and, like, he he looks every bit of it now. Like, he, he looks like – when you look at the line, it's like one of these does not look like the other, you know, when you uh, when you saw UMass's, uh, UMass's line this year. And, and look, from, from covering the draft the last few years, and certainly not as close as Eric does, the one thing I've learned is that, like, there's just a dearth of quality tackles in college football who go to the pros. Yeah. I remember the year Billy O'Brien uh, noted personnel genius. Remember they reached for the guy at the Texans from Alabama State, and I only remember because, like, they, they selected right. him and we were doing a live show, and I got puberty sweats because I was like, <laughs> I have no idea who that is. And they call on me to say something. I'm going to completely just stammer. Um, but that was just an example. that came from Washington State a couple of years ago, uh, went way higher than anyone in projection. So there's no good tackles. So you have a perfectly good 6'6", 315-pound guy who's barely played the position, has a ton of upside. You essentially go take him, you redshirt him, and you hope to mold him into an NFL tackle. And uh, at UMass, they raved about his character, the kind of kid he was, said he did everything right, books, weights, studying, and everything. So uh, he's a uh, he, he'd be an interesting lark. And basically, this prevents you from reaching from a tackle maybe in a year or two because you can have one you can bring along. UMass produces quality individuals. <laughs> yes. Always. Um, all right. Despite and then the, how about this? the poor donations. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't need, they don't need my money. Um, the, we'll get, you, again, go to the site. You get all 22 guys. But the ultimate, uh, is the ultimate all juice guy, 
Landon Dickerson of Alabama. <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, he's got the juice, right? And there are some medical worries about him. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he'll be a first round pick. In fact, I don't think he will be all the injuries he suffered, but it's kind of part of his story too, right? I mean, he had season ending injuries for the last five years, started at, at Florida state, Jimbo left. He went to Bama, who was his runner up coming out of high school. All he does is go there and just assert himself as sort of the guy, the team leader, if you will. People gravitated to him. He's this massive center. I, I can't remember a center being quite that big in, in a lot. 6'6 to 335, you know, may have lost weight before his pro day too. Uh, and when he, you know, suffered that knee injury against Florida in the SEC title game, instantly he saw everybody come over, surround the truck. That was a great moment, followed by him taking the kneel down steps in the uh, national title game. People raved about his intelligence, his toughness, his character, you know, and he's a decent athlete too. So yeah, he was any guy who can lift Nick Saban uh, <laughs> off the field with a torn ACL gets, gets our vote. When I saw him come out in full pads for warmups for the championship game, I was like, Oh my <laughs> right. God. I think I just gave Alabama this the juice. As a matter of fact, uh, going into the game, not that they needed more, but I mean, it was a pretty inspirational sight. It, it freaked the trainers out. They were like, wait, what, do we have to stop him from playing? What's going on here? That, that was a great moment. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Uh, we can't let you go. Uh, I am, I am legally uh, obligated, <laughs> I believe, on yeah. the federal statute at this point, or at least mm. the NFL. Roger Goodell could could suspend me, put me on the commissioner's list if I do not <laughs> ask. Of the first-round quarterbacks, you have five contenders. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to go first, almost certainly. Uh, Zach Wilson is going to go second to the Jets. The big intrigue is at, at San Francisco where this starts. Is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Trey Lance having another pro day in North Dakota just so we can make scouts go to Fargo twice. I like that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Where do you rank those three guys? Or, or do you rank anyone higher than three in Lance, Fields, Jones? Yeah, I do. Actually, my rankings are Lawrence first, followed by Fields. And then right behind him, I have Trey Lance. Had he played more games, had he played a full season last year, who knows? Maybe he's above him, but I actually have Zach Wilson fourth, not by a massive, you know, gap or anything like that. But as Pete pointed out, you know, their schedule was, was soft as anything. He had all kinds of time to throw, you know, he sort of made things tougher for himself. And I know he's got this, this blessed arm and all that and, you know, improvisational skills, but Sometimes you got to play within the system. He's got a, a boom bust quality to him and I've got Mac Jones fifth, but he may have, I don't know, the, the highest or the second highest floor of anybody. I think I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to stink, right? He's going to be really good. But Mac Jones gives you sort of an idea of what you're getting, what you saw it last year. He's a facilitator and a distributor. If that's the guy that, that Kyle Shanahan feels like he needs to trade three draft picks to move up nine spots for, I mean, I, I guess I can get behind it because – he needs to be on a team that has talent. The Niners have talent. They're getting everybody back from the Super Bowl team who got hurt last year. Like, I, I saw him in college. He was good. He certainly made the throws, even if they weren't all, you know, high level of, of difficulty. But, you know, it's just the, the fact that the other guys seem to have more upside, more talent, more natural ability, and that's the reason why I put him fifth. So if that's the guy, and that seems to be sort of the, the tentative favorite, I guess, we've heard other reports, but um, I, that's about the one of the handful of places where I could see him thriving. All right, Eric Edholm, at Eric underscore Edholm, all juice team, support the cause, 
for our buddy Therese Paler. Uh, it's a great piece on Yahoo Sports and great cause. Thank you, Eric. All right. Good jumping on, you boys. Thank you. All right. I want to get right to the beef now. I got problems I can't with wait. that. Got to hear. We need What's to check this. We need to talk this out like they do on the All-American. There you go. Thing Spencer James has taught me. <laughs> All weekend, you you can attest, Sully. We've been, we were treated to texts, uh, pictures in the text thread, right? Pictures. Pictures of Pat with fish. Yep. Pictures with caught a table full of caught fish, fish swimming, a lodge Pat got drunk at or something. I don't know. <laughs> Pictures of basically Pat with his two sons on a fishing trip. Mm-hmm. All good. Oh. Family fishing trip. Then I hear there are sports writer friends on the fishing trip as well. Right, Pete? Do you hear this? You heard that correctly, Dan. Yes. Am I a sports writer? Are you a sports writer? So this is a bad time to admit this, but I was actually invited on the fishing trip. Oh, what I, the hell? I declined. I declined. <laughs> it's getting worse. Oh, that, <laughs> it's getting worse. Well, I'm mad at both of you. <laughs> I what the invited. hell do I, I, I got to do? Control the list right? to get invited. Uh, I'm not. How long we got to be friends? Apparently, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> To get invited on the fishing trip, the sports writer friend fishing trip. Who said anything about friends? We're you know we're we're four four people on the pod, four cabs, four different directions. Jeez, <laughs> four Ubers. I'm hurt. Right. I'm hurt. <laughs> Pete doesn't fish. No, that's why I didn't go. <laughs> you, How did he you get chose invited? Wisely, Pete. Sully, I, did Sully get invited? No. And I fished. All right, <laughs> Sully, you and I are going to go on our own fishing trip. Screw <laughs> these <right>. two. <laughs> I neither I nor Pete controlled the invite list for this. So I was invited and then I dragged my two sons along. I I, I wangled them some invitations. Who was in charge? I, I, I I'm not sure I'm even at, at liberty to Kent disclose. Babb? <laughs> Kent Babb? No, no, Kent Babb was not in charge. Jeff Duncan. Uh, uh, Jeff the, Duncan. The athletic, mm-hmm. formerly of the Times Picayune. Uh, was in charge. Mayor of New Orleans. Mayor, unofficial mayor of New Orleans. You must not yeah. have. Uh, Princess Katiana must have uh, told Jeff to not invite you. He foresaw bad <laughs> things. <laughs> well, was it Priestess Katiana? Who's our friend in New Orleans? Priestess. Yeah. I hope he got food Empress. poisoning and caught a hangover. <laughs> well, nothing on the former or the latter, you know. Hey, yeah. there, there may have been one or two. What uh, local was, uh, beers did you drink, Pat? This is so far south in Louisiana that it is basically not even on the hemisphere. All right. It, it is the swamp country, the marsh country to the extreme south. You go through La Rose, where Ed Orgeron is from, and you keep going south for another hour to basically the end of the continent uh, in the Gulf to Golden Meadow, Louisiana. And when you're in Golden Meadow, you do as the locals do. What few of them are there? And these are Cajun boys. Uh, and they were wild. They were very entertaining in many different ways. Uh, and so the Cajun boys drink your your Dan Wetzel kind of beers, your Bud Light, your Miller right. Light, your Coors Light. They did have Mick Ultra, uh, so that's that's what we drink. Uh, we 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 were not we weren't drinking any. There was no highfalutin beer down there, Peter. <laughs> it was it was American mass produced macro brew, macro brews. It just rubs it in. <laughs> So you're saying you drank all the beers Dan likes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we drank the beers Dan likes in a lodge that Dan would love. Uh, we we fished, and then we sat around and ate and drank and, and 
swapped stories about BS. So that, you know, it was very much a Dan Wetzel kind of thing. Maybe you can get invited next year on Good Behavior. I don't know if we'll I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> feelings are painful. Feelings are hurt. Painful. No one thought, boy, this might be something he'd like. No one even thought of me. Well, I mean, I got to say, if I had two draft picks, you were third. Okay, my sons were the first two. <laughs> you were the third. Uh, yeah, thanks. Tied with the rest of the world for third. All right, the beef continues. <laughs> That's not a good enough explanation. I'm good for well, the sake in the beef too. Because I'm a professional, I will keep this podcast going, but that's it. I'm not happy with either of you two. You could make it up to me by sending via Drizzly some beer. That would probably be a good way to make uh -oh. up. If you want, we guys would like to apologize. Um, that's beyond Pat's technology. Yeah, so he, he'll just mail you a check. No, no technology cracks from you today, Pete Thamel. This podcast yeah, right. production has been a chore thanks to your This internet. podcast started later than the Chet Holmgren <laughs> commitment because yeah. of you. All right, let's let's do this. If you over the weekend the other big development was uh this this plan in European soccer to create something called the Super League. Uh, I won't bore you with the details. There's nothing the soccer nistas love more other than telling each other that like a heel pass in the midfield is actually worth watching like 43 straight games it's, <laughs> to make the soccer exciting. There's nothing they like doing more than lecturing Americans about how soccer works and how it's also wonderful or threatened or whatever. So we're going to spare that. But the Super League is essentially the 12 biggest, richest, most famous clubs in Europe who all belong to different leagues. Some in England, some in Spain, some in Italy and so on, France, and they're going to break off and create their own 12-team Super League. Now, there's much tumult because this would spit in the face of tradition, possibly rob money from weaker teams. Uh, it is essentially a lot like college football. If Ohio State and Michigan just pull stakes from the Big Ten and Oklahoma and Texas pull stakes from the Big 12 and, and you create this Super League, what's left? Not really good for Purdue. Not really good for, for Kansas State football. So, as you can see, people want tradition and fans of these other teams are all upset. That's basically what's going on here. This is straight capitalism, which is in part because a bunch of Americans and American hedge funds now own all the most of the big <laughs> soccer teams in Europe. Yeah. So, there of course, go. we're importing cutthroat tradition doesn't give a damn American capitalism. Uh, however, this leads to a very interesting question is what if this happened in college football? Now, it it won't because even though Ohio State could say make more money if it left the Big Ten in football, it would not be a good thing for its overall university because they have all sorts of different agreements with the other schools. They're recruiting students. They need kids from Pennsylvania and Indiana and Michigan and Chicago to come out of pay out of state tuition. So financially, there's really no TV contract that would make this worthwhile for the overall institution. But that for our purposes, this is what we want to do. If we were to do this, if you were to do the Super League of college footballs, much the way they're doing the Super League in European soccer, what 12 schools and 12 only would you take? And so we want to have a, since it's draft season, we want to have a draft. We're going to snake draft this or just draft. Let's go in order. I'll let Pat the fisherman go first. But this is not based on 
the top 12 teams next year. This isn't even necessarily based on the top 12 programs of the last 20 years. It's based on the richest, most famous, most effective, uh, if you're trying to build the Super League in college football. Everybody, I think I explained it right. If I didn't, you're too dumb yeah. to listen to this podcast. Pretty simple. I don't, again, <laughs> I don't want to lecture UEFA, UEFA, and then you got this, and you're, oh my God. And then they get all excited because <laughs> they pronounce uh, Siri A the right way. Like the, the soccer nieces are the damn worst. They're the absolute worst. They are. They are. Worst people. I learned are. how to say, uh, but I've since forgotten, Bungledisha. Is that how you say it? Bungledisha. <laughs> Bundesliga. Right? Bundesliga. You can't, Bundesliga. Can't call it Thank you. Barca. You got to call it Barcelona. They bring in the Reds. Oh, yo, you talk about Liverpool. Just enough with you people. Enough. <laughs> My early okay. COVID memories of like deep, deep in the throes of quarantine was just putting on the Bundesliga because it was like something to watch on a Saturday morning. I'm not a big soccer. I like soccer. I watch yeah. the World Cup. I'm not a big soccer guy. Probably, probably much like you guys, right? I watch enormous yeah, amounts but- of soccer and I am ready to never watch again. I've covered multiple <laughs> World Cups. It's not going to be very good. But the fact that all the soccer nistas in America are losing their minds, it's making me actually root for this thing. <laughs> 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 Even though the I don't think socceristas are a lot, they're hard to handle. They they're are a lot. Like, yeah, they, like, they. If you, you don't, if, if you if you don't change the subject verb agreement to the English fashion, you know, if it's not right, Los Los Angeles have an advantage, or you don't call the field a pitch. Oh, they get very angry. Very angry. Oh, I see. Chelsea's in first place, uh, top of the charts, or whatever they have. That <laughs> they have all their little things. Enough. And then if you just sit there and be like, yeah, I don't really like watching. Oh, you don't understand it. I understand it's it. Fine. Yes. It's the world's simplest freaking game. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very, very easy to understand. I just don't like it. Yeah. That's it. Or I do like it kind of. Well, you just thought. So whatever. Screw you guys. But we're going to turn this into something good. Our 12 teams. Our 12 teams. What would we do? Pat, you get the first pick of the Super League. If you are founding okay. the Super League. Number wow. one selection. A lot of pressure there. Okay, and doing this, like I came up with a list of 16 teams for 12 spots, and I basically have four for the top spot. If you're going to have to choose one, I think it's one of four teams. We can go. I don't want to, you know, jump ahead on everybody, but I am going to take, with some reluctance, because you could make a case for any of these four, I think, but I, I'm going to take Alabama, not just because they are the kingpin now, but they have won national titles, many national titles through with three different coaches. So three different eras. They're not reliant on one guy that built the program. And really, you can go back and say they have 17 national titles or whatever their completely bogus number is going back to the 1920s, if you want. So they're go- always good. They're always going to be good. It is a fan imperative for them to always be good. So it's not like you pick Alabama and then all of a sudden they go down and are four and eight for five years in a row. That will never happen at Alabama. It's not just Nick Saban. Whoever's next will keep this thing rolling. So number one pick, Alabama. I would, yeah, I would not have picked Alabama number one, but you can't argue Alabama, right? Like it, 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 you have to dial into like, what do you want in your Super League, right? So I'm going to take Notre Dame with the second pick. A national brand. They have residents from coast to coast. They're really known worldwide. They have obviously the ties to religion. They have ties to big cities. I mean, it's Notre Dame. So now again, I'm not saying Notre Dame is a better program than some other program. I'm not saying anything like that. But if you are building a Super League, Notre Dame's in. End of story. No one would dispute Notre Dame should be in the top 12. I will take Texas. Texas isn't very good right now, but they're Texas. They're in the league. 
you would not start the Super League without Texas the same way you would not start the Super League in soccer without whatever, Barcelona. So, yep. Pat, back yep. to you. How about that? A rare burst of agreement here on my notepad. You guys have my one, two, three in order. One, two, three. It was, was, was Alabama, Notre Dame, Texas. Uh, so starting the second round, give me Ohio State. Uh, massive fan base, you know, national fan base to agree because their alums are all over the place. Extreme interest, also an extreme imperative on always being good. Again, just in, in my lifetime, three different coaches have won national titles. 105,000-seat stadium means, yes, they are committed to being good forever. They do sit in great recruiting territory. So give me the Buckeyes. Whichever one I pick here is going to bring up an interesting question, and I'm toggling between two right now. So I'm going to take Florida because of the enormous value of Florida in in everything college football. And I, and the interesting debate is obviously with Texas off the board now, Alabama off the board, and now Florida off the board is – does the Super League need the second schools in those states, the rival schools in those states, it, which at times, look, Florida State was well ahead of Florida for, for many, many years. So I, I just I throw I take Florida. You know, I, I won't tell you who I was thinking about for the other one, but there's there's obviously some good schools left. But I do think that becomes like the fascinating part of this when we wind it down is does Alabama need Auburn? Texas need A&M, obviously. They, they don't play each other anymore. Does Florida need Florida State? So I, I think that's where you all of a sudden start really starting to feel the tension in this uh, in this draft. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to take Georgia. will be my second-round selection. There are obviously some others. I don't think anyone would dispute you'd have Georgia in your top 12 in this league. All right? And unless anyone wants to fight me on Georgia. No, I, I mean, I, I had them in the lowest third of mine. Okay. Just, I mean, I think they belong. I think they absolutely belong. But... It gets a little more squishy down there, but I, I mean, part of no- part of the appeal of the Super League thing is basically that like they don't have to earn being in the top twelve. You just you just put yourself <laughs> right. in. It's Georgia, <laughs> and I'm not sure really is earned it, but I put I'm yeah. taking Georgia. All right, okay. back to you, Pat. Back to me. Okay, uh, in the interest of full geographic appeal, brand name, big city allure, USC. Yeah, that was I want be the Trojans mind. in there. Uh, that that is a program that is obviously operating far below its potential, but generationally great. I want the West Coast in there. I want Los Angeles, uh, and I want a brand name like USC. I'm going to take LSU. Like LSU is certainly among these top brands. The talent, the talent, the talent is there. If you're starting a Super League, you can't exclude the state of Louisiana. You just can't. There's too many. NFL players per capita there. Um, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a giant brand, and obviously, uh, I won't go into who I was picking against. There, there's certainly some really good arguments left on the board, but I do think I'm taking LSU over the others remaining because it is the lone school in a very important state that needs to be represented. All right, so this is when we're going to start getting pretty interesting. I think. Yeah. So what do we have? We have uh, we have eight. Your nine. We have eight. Okay, yep. so you're nine. We got four spots left. They're not. I mean, we can have the draft. We can argue when we get our final final picks after my pick here. I am going to take Penn State yeah. yep. as the ninth pick, and uh, I am going to do that because it is a mammoth school and a mammoth fan base, and it gives you at least, uh, unless somebody you know puts New England United in there, <laughs> <it> gives a <laughs> a foothold into the Northeast. 
at least part of the Northeast, is going to be Penn State. So I am taking the Penn State Nittany Lions at nine, which says they probably should be better on the field than what they are. Anyone dispute that one? Uh, Dan, we may be in the midst of a vicious beef, but I agree with like everything you said is exactly I had Penn State seven on my list. See, this would have been a nice conversation if we were sitting around (laughs) fishing. (laughs) (laughs) It would have. With a moderately flavored domestic beer. Yeah. <laughs> With a, an extremely light, largely water. Beverage. Mostly mediocre. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All mediocre. All right. No. Here we are. Big picks now. Ooh. Yeah. 10, 11, 12. I mean, number okay. 13 is screwed. <laughs> yeah. I already know who yep. number 13 okay. is for everybody on this panel. I already know. So just keep going. Uh, you, uh, Pe- Sully, Tennessee is not 13. It's lower. Tennessee is not 23. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, we'll get to it. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Sully's going to come off the top rope with the impassioned Tennessee plea. First, he doesn't oh, yeah. get invited on the trip. Now this. He's better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, All right. he's an hour into the Joe Milton era. Let him dream. That's All right. right. <laughs> All right. Pat, who is number nine for you? It is difficult here because yeah we're getting into territorial overlap to a degree versus you know tradition that sort of thing i'm taking texas a&m uh i'm gonna go ahead and put the aggies in there uh you do get two schools from texas texas is a big ass state in case you haven't heard a big ass football state in fact they are spending as much money as anyone on earth on football they are more as committed as anybody they have underachieved Throughout their history, if you look at it, but I think that they are on the rise. They had their big year this year. I mean, there's no reason for the next 20 years, if this is a long-term thing, to think that Texas A&M is not going to be a ten-term, ten, a top 10 program. All right, so here let's let's debate this. And I don't know who you're going to pick, Pete, but is Texas A&M in this over Oklahoma? Does Oklahoma get left out? Maybe, Pete, you're going to pick Oklahoma. I, I mean – I will just tell you who I who I've left. How about this? Uh, why, why, right? why, yeah, why do we talk about that? Let, who you got left? Let's let's go through what I've left. And so I have in no order Oklahoma, Michigan, Clemson, Stanford, and BYU. Mm. Now mm. I'm just thinking like it's a super league, right? right. And you need yeah. you want to engage the country. BYU was a bit of a flyer, but I just thought, you know, like they're they're at least they're at least an interesting conversation. I don't think I was gonna pick them. Now, do we only want one team on the West Coast in our super league? Yeah. That, that sounds to go Austin to L.A. sounds a little bit crazy, right? So do you put UCLA in? I picked Stanford because of the brand in the Bay. Like, I, I took Oregon off because I just thought market-wise it made so much more sense for Stanford. Now, Phil Knight would not let a Super League happen without Oregon, right? You want to talk about mm-hmm. some right, of the, right. the great collisions of, of all this happening. So I should actually have Oregon on I actually summer. had Washington as a potential because of yeah. the market. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Even though they yeah. haven't done much. Oregon's yep. a better program. Stanford, then you could maybe argue this is actually academics. And then somebody, <laughs> right, I don't think right. they're ready. I agree with you on that. Oklahoma, so you had Oklahoma, Clemson. The other one Michigan. I had was, was Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. So, all right, make your pick. So if, I, I have, if I have to pick one here, it's hard. This is hard, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no, other, there's no other way to say it because – you're you're going for you're, you're going for long term, but I think like right now, if I'm forming a league, I can't form a league without Clemson. I can't do it. I can't do it. Like I just there's like you and I have a ton of respect for Oklahoma. I, we obviously know what Michigan was and can be someday again. Um, but right now, if I'm starting this thing, you you can't leave Clemson on the sidelines. 
So I will, uh, I will, I will leave some of those other fine institutions on the sidelines, and I will, I will take my slide through the practice facility out to the putt putt green and uh, roll with Dabo. And just because Dan can't pronounce the coach's name doesn't mean we shouldn't put him in our coach Sweeney. Coach Sweeney. <laughs> coach Sweeney. <laughs> coach Sweeney. It's a made up. Na- it's a made up word. <laughs> Dabo is not a word. He made it up. It was Daboy. Dabo. Is it Dabo? Is that it? Hey, I'm gonna we're just gonna let you flail. All right. Just like you're alone on your I've, alone I've had weekend. like 15 I conversations with the guy. I don't know. We shortened the made up word that was a shortening of two words to just one syllable. Just make a dab. Hey Dab. Dab, <laughs> dab. got a Coach question. Sweeney gets the eleven side. All right. So to me, this comes down to you either have to go geographic. And at that point, I think I would take Washington. But if we're talking about it down to Michigan and Oklahoma, I think Texas A&M stole Oklahoma's spot, and I will go with Michigan. It's it's still the big house, huge presence in the East Coast through Chicago. Uh, you know, it's three Big Ten teams, but these are the three big ones. Uh, I would take the University of Michigan as my 12th spot, underachieving or not. That's how I would construct my Super League. But my problem with this Super League is simply – <laughs> it's just USC out west. Yep. No, no. Then that, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with it. it is geographically out of whack to a degree. But the, the whole but sport already. This is, is what they're doing in Europe. Whack. This is essentially it. Imagine waking up today. This is why all of your all all of your soccer nista friends are like all in a panic because they really like pretending that they're fans of like a obscure, crappy. You sure. Know, B division, you know, English team. I, I like. I'm a fan that. of Blackpool. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. Crystal Palace. But just imagine waking up and 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 your fan is you know the Purdue fan going, wait, what? What, <laughs> what do we got? Who's got <laughs> how are we selling tickets? <laughs> Does this mean we're now in a league with Indiana State? I think next pod we pick, we pick the bottom twelve. The not oh, super league. Oh, that would like be good. Like Wake Forest, Purdue, That's, Syracuse. Like oh, yeah. who are the who are the football programs that would get, be on the cusp of relegation? All right, that if would they, be if good. It's the bottom of the power six or yes, power five. Yeah, power. Okay. yeah, bottom okay, of the power yeah. power five. Um, That's, that's I think the next that would be a pr- Yeah, that would be a pretty uh, a, a pretty good chat. Who is Byron right. and PSG? Who are the top ten fan bases and top ten money teams that are saying no? We are holding on to tradition. Oh boy! In America, nobody. Yeah, none. <laughs> exactly. What? The only the only possibility would be Notre Dame. We're still independent, damn it. Yeah, Notre. <laughs> That's it. All right. Yeah. Who's yeah. holding Maybe on? Maybe playing Ball State in Indiana every year. We have obscure mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies going up like a thousand percent in like two hours. Come on, this is the United States of America. We screw everything. Uh, evidently, they're making they're jumping from a hundred million a team to four hundred million a team in this league. So that's that's some that's yeah. some shattering money right there. Four hundred million a year. Not bad. Not bad. All right, let me get to this too. We talked NFL draft earlier. I have new information that has me concerned about Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall pick. Uh oh. Not the SI comments about not being committed. We went over that last episode. What concerns me is I don't know if Trevor thinks big enough. I don't know if he dreams big enough. I don't know if he sets standards of excellence high enough to win a Super Bowl and dominate pro football because of his taste in toasters. (laughs) That $300 toaster we were all mesmerized on the wedding registry. The one that has 63 settings, going to handle a baffling six different foods. 
which we can't <laughs> comprehend. It turns out that thing ain't in the toaster market. <laughs> Come on. That's like buying a Chevy Traverse and saying you got a luxury car. It's good. It's a good toaster. I went down the toaster rabbit hole last week, fellas. Of course you did. What do you got? Would anyone like the ProLine Series two-slice automatic toaster? This toaster know. is equipped with a host of smart features for effortless toasting because toasting is hard. <laughs> I want my toaster to work. I want the toaster to work. I don't want it to be effortless. <sighs> I put too much effort into my morning toast. <laughs> yeah. You do putting the bread in the toaster and pressing the thing down. How freaking lazy are you? <laughs> $500 for this thing. $500. $500. Yeah. It has what? a it has though I will give it this. It will have a, it has an exclusive keep warm function. Oh, uh, okay. That's valuable. For 3 minutes after your toasting, it maintains peak toaster uh heat. That's valuable. Cuz yeah, you're cooking your eggs, you you run breakfast lot going on breakfast. Yeah. And now not all these salts coming together at the same time. And the toast is usually the first casualty. And you can't butter the toast right. Yes. Right. So you get what you, this is what the number one pick should be going after. <laughs> this kind of quality. Actually, this is like a mid-round pick. <laughs> How about this one? The dual lit gold toaster. 24 gold? karat gold toaster. Oh, come on. Hell yeah. <laughs> gold. Toaster. Combines That's beauty, class, obnoxious. and functionality into one thing. That is obnoxious. A gold toaster. Its 168 components are assembled by hand for that special touch. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think the regular toaster is, too. It's just, like, not by, by lowly paid third world yeah, uh, employees, right. you know. The designer's name is inscribed on the bottom plate of the toaster. It is individualized. On the bottom, I mean, you don't even get to show that off then. If this toaster appears to be all about showing off, then why isn't the designer's name on the side? Like if you're going to have a gold bucks. toaster. $1,100. bucks for the, yeah. 1100 for a toaster. Is this like, does Warren Buffett have this toaster? I don't or, know. They don't mention no, that. No, Warren Buffett's to every man to have an $1,100 toaster. Yeah, right. So who would? Jeff Bezos? Who, who, who has this Trevor toaster? Trevor Lawrence has that kind <laughs> of money. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. If you're going to get into the toaster market, you got to jump all in. That's my thing. If you're going to be, a, if you're going, I'm the franchise quarterback. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to its first ever Super Bowl. I want a guy who says, oh, no, I don't just want the $300 toaster. I want the $1,100 toaster. I need a gold plated toaster. That's why I'm worried. How about this one? Bargain price of $1,000. But this one is the most absurd because these aren't toasters like those big, you can buy like a $5,000 toaster that's like those ones at the Fairfield Inn. You put the, the got the, the conveyor belt. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jam, sure. People are just jamming bagels in there and all that. <laughs> These are just, How, just are, a, are those really $5,000? Yeah. I don't they think cost anything a lot. at a Fairfield Inn costs $5,000. Oh, no, no, like that toaster, building. it's big time. That post toaster is big time. Really? Uh, this is called the noun. The noun can only handle two slices. However, it's made by Bugatti. It is a world-class toaster. The noun is made of glass. What? <laughs> Which means you can watch your toast get toasted. 
<laughs> you don't have to like peer in from the top and say, okay, I think it's browning. No, nope. you can actually just okay. side view, baby. Okay. That would be cool once. <laughs> How much time do these people have on their hand? They're excited about watching toast get toasted. Well, there's a good safeguard when the, you can say, oh my God, it's burning. I got to get it out now. As opposed to sometimes when, you know, as other things here in our household, sometimes the setting gets moved and you don't notice the setting has been moved. And all of a sudden you have carbonized bread because it's scorched. So when, can, when Pat called Dan to see if he could go on the fishing trip, I said, you know, I think Dan's going to be busy watching his toast toast. So he probably can't make it. <laughs> the expense is in the glass heat transfer technology. So you can mm. see it, but the glass doesn't get hot. So you burn yourself. Tremendous. Tremendous. Uh, how much how much is the glass one? Thousand. Oh. There was another that you I'm now worried. Like our toaster had better last for the rest of my life because if the if the toaster sky market is skyrocketing in terms of price, I don't want to pay two hundred to a, to eleven hundred dollars for my next toaster. So I hope there is no next toaster. Depends how whether you want to step it up. You're more seventh round draft pick or you number one <laughs> overall. <laughs> That's really the question here. I have the paycheck of a seventh round draft pick. All right. And this is from uh podcast listener, uh, James Stevenson at James Stevenson. He, he got, he's a Husker alum who got me in on this one. Uh, this toaster, uh, not, it's a little lower price cause it's not made of gold, but, uh, it, uh, you add water, you add five cc's really? of water. This is the decisive factor in its revolutionary <laughs> technology. Five cc's of water are poured into the toaster at the beginning of the toast. So you got to spend a lot of time on this one. Yeah, clearly. With like an eye dropper? You have, like, you have to water your toast. Water in the air heats more rapidly than dry air, which I did not know. Mm. This creates a thin layer of steam that envelops the bread, lightly toasting its surface <laughs> while keeping the inner moisture of the bread and flavor from escaping. This may be worse than the Socranista is talking about the pitch. <laughs> the toaster snob market uh, is, is amazing, I will at say. One, at 140 degrees Fahrenheit, a bread's interior fluffiness and flavor are fully restored. At 320 degrees Fahrenheit, the surface starts to turn golden brown. And at 428, the toast begins to brown. So the key... With the steam cooking, is just merging that all together. So, like, here's what I'm trying to figure. Okay, you're at a cocktail party, you know, back when when we're eventually past the pandemic completely, and you can go to cocktail parties again. You're talking to somebody. It's like, so what do you do? I'm an engineer. Oh, really? What kind of engineering do? Uh, toaster engineering. Yeah, I, I figure out how to how to equip a toaster with water to make the perfect piece of toast. What do you do? You run the other way from that person. All right, well, speaking of misplaced talents, let me end the show with this. We've done this segment, Real Men of Genius, before. Real yeah. men of genius. Uh, you know, people who who, who really uh, invent things that are of, of all, that really needed to be done. Uh, although I think during a pandemic, I think we could have had these guys spend more time on the vax, get the vaccine out a week quicker. Um, but we're, gonna, uh, we're going to give a... Uh, a shout out here to uh, a 24-year-old software engineer uh, named uh, Rashik Zahid. I'll just read this from TheVerge.com. We've all been there. 
You're craving a McFlurry or a Shamrock Shake? We've all been Have there. Have we all One been there? Yeah, McFlurries are good. I don't know. Shamrock Shake, limited release. Anyway, you drive to McDonald's, excited to get some ice cream. But when you finally make it to the counter, you hear those dreaded, devastating words. The ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> the French fry machine's never broken, by the way. But the ice no. cream machine is broken like a third of a time. There you oh, go, Pete. Yeah. You See, Absolutely. Pete knows. Yes. Well, Rashik came along and launched an app and a website called McBroken. <laughs> I like Rashik. I really do. <laughs> the site displays a map of every McDonald's location in the United States, denoted by clusters of dots. Locations with a working ice cream machine get a green dot, and the ones that are broken get a red. <laughs> so now, it's like what ways. It, it is. What he does is he set up the app to every McDonald's in America, and it is constantly ordering a shake. But it never, it never, the order never goes through. And the ones that say they can't do it, they're broken. So, like, currently, and then he displays this on a map. So if you go to McBroken.com, before you go out, you know where to go. Like, right now, this is a plague. 26.6% of the McDonald's in San Francisco have a broken <laughs> broken machine. McFlurry machine. Basically, it's uh, the people saying, I don't want to make the McFlurries. That's what it is. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. We all know a lot of bartenders. Um, I think that's pretty safe to say. I've spent a lot of time around bartenders. Every bartender I know hates making, like, frozen fruity drinks, right? Oh, like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, like, you know, when the bartender gets, when the bar gets crowded, oh, our blender's broke. Like magically, you know, like <laughs> I'm not making your, uh, I don't know, what's a uh, what's, pina, what's colada, a good, like, pina colada, your Mai Tai or whatever yeah. it is, right? Like your, uh, yeah. When it's busy, um, they want a shot of Jack and a, and a Miller Lite, right? Correct. They want yes. something simple. Those right? are they the favorite just, customers, yeah. They just want to keep the machine moving so the tips keep going, right? They don't want to take three minutes to like, <laughs> you know. So for your, uh, what, what's the one with Kahlua? The, the uh, White Russian? Yeah, not, not the white. They don't really. Uh, they don't spin it up. I, I, Whatever. Yeah, I don't know the old old lady drinks, but yes, yes. You, they don't. They don't want you getting like a like a malted milkshake at their at their bar. So that that happens quite frequently on Cape Cod. The the mysterious blender break. So Pat, will you use McBroken? Uh, no, absolutely, I, I will not. <laughs> but I like I admire the industry behind it. I am I am concerned about Rashik. Uh, you know that that this is again what he's putting his brain power into because clearly he has brain power. But if it's just monitoring the status of the shake machines at America's McDonald's, I think we could do more. With I that can brain tell power. you right now, the McDonald's at 2720 West Broadway in Louisville. Yeah. The McDonald's at 207 West Broadway. Uh huh. The McDonald's right off of I 65 at 3005 Fern Valley Road. Okay. South End. Yeah. And the McDonald's at 8220 Preston Highway in Oklahoma, Kentucky. Also South End, yes. Yeah, they are all have broken McDonald uh, ice cream mm. machines right now. Okay, so if you're downtown or South End, you're, you're you're in trouble. You better get traveling to get your McFlurry. You got it. Well, I mean, you can go right over here to mm. 2800 Outer Loop. That's near okay. that one of the broken. Yeah, so that's, that's see, also this is South a service End. that this is providing. It is now. Fantastic. Save people time and gas money. 
If you're traveling so, around. Here's South my Florida. thought on the, on McBroken. I think it's genius. And I think if I owned an edibles company or a marijuana dispensary, <laughs> I would advertise heavily on McBroken. All right. I would pour a lot of my like if I was looking for my target audience, like both Cheech and Chong are all over McBroken. Dude, I want a McFlurry, but I want to drive all the way over there. And find out that Dude, if it's broken. broken, my soul will be crushed. <laughs> don't drive Actually, while eating your edibles. I was going to say, if we if you just hit the edible, don't drive. Don't drive. Right, one more. We got this the ongoing saga. We need an, an update. And I, I admit I forgot about this story. Uh, an epic ongoing saga. This is an ongoing saga. All right, last uh, 200, uh, about 250 days ago, last August, really, was a story. Uh, up in Connecticut, a 800-pound beefalo uh, escaped a truck that had delivered it to a meat processing plant. Do you remember this story? <laughs> the yes. beefalo got loose in the woods of western con- Connecticut, which has very <laughs> dense woods. Literally ran for his life. Ran for his life, and we were rooting him on. Yes, we were. He, he, we, although we like to eat beefalo, <laughs> it was. It, this was like Andy and Red getting to. Did they say that thing? Zeho and Taneo, right? Yes, They're walking yes. the beach, fixing up an old boat. Uh, you know, some birds are are not meant to be caged, and this beefalo <laughs> is 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 that. The beefalo got loose, and we lost track of the story. I assumed that like a day later they caught this beefalo. But they did not. The Shawshank Redemption of Beefalo was on the loose until last week. Yeah, that's insane. Nicknamed Buddy. Went like 250 plus days on the lamb. 250 days on the run, Buddy the Beefalo was cruising around Connecticut. <laughs> After getting making a run for it when being loaded off a truck at a meat processing plant in Plymouth, Connecticut. His adventures, including appearing on a wildlife camera set up by police, failed attempts to lure him into a pen with food, uh, and there were several social media accounts he apparently signed up for. (laughs) (laughs) Plymouth police announced last Wednesday uh, they posted uh, Buddy's picture on their uh, social media account at the word captured, stamped across in red letters. (laughs) Buddy was back in the pen. The police captain said his capture was the result of a community effort from spotting him, feeding him throughout the winter, and the experts who were able to make the final capture. We'd like to thank all of those who brought this adventure to a successful resolution. But a happy ending. Happy ending. Yeah, right. How? We, we, are they going to carve him up? Is he like, can you No, Buddy's going to live. They're sending him to some, you know, wild animal farm in like Oh, Florida that's right, right. All right. I'm yeah. in, Gainesville, in Gainesville, Florida. I don't know. Did they, did they ask him? Does Buddy want to go to that <laughs> Critter, I don't Critter know. Creek Farm Sanctuary in Gainesville? <laughs> oh, that sounds brutal. The Critter Critter Creek? <laughs> you know what sounds more brutal? Being carved up and served <laughs> on plates. From Buddy's standpoint, you'll take it. It's better than the death penalty. I'll give him that. But, I mean, he's a New England buffalo. It's warm down there. Might be hot. <laughs> he can adjust. It's fine. A lot of people from New England go to Florida, right? Don't they? Yeah. Including Pete Thamel's parents, I believe. They sure do. Yeah. They sure do. So all this does is encourage other beefalo to make a run for it. He got spared for running. I encourage all beefalo to make a run for it, hoping they don't all escape or else we don't get to eat them anymore. But give it I'm a t- shot. This is a tough one for me. It was, I was torn. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm glad he got a. I'm glad he got some time out there. You know what? Fortune favors the bold. He made a run for it. He didn't just meekly submit. All right, that's our pod for the day. We can't have any more stupid news. We made sure you can get a shake. We told you about the beefalo. We didn't hear about provide anything of substance other than bringing Ed home in. Ed home. Ed home. Yeah. You should listen to Ed Holmes' pod. Anything with Ed Holm, you'll get real football talk, not the nonsense we provide. We will talk to you uh, later this week. Be back. Who knows with what? Talk to you then.